Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're talking about skills and especially resilience given all the uncertainties facing employees in modern day careers. With me to discuss that is Stephen Phipson, Chief Executive of the Manufacturers Organisation Make UK. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. And very good to be here. Thank you for having me. So we know that people in the early part of their careers currently are much more likely than in previous generations to change their careers. What skills does a resilient worker need to be able to do this? Well, we're at a very interesting time in the manufacturing sector at the moment in terms of what we call the fourth industrial revolution. So it used to be the case that people spent sort of a very long period of time in their careers in a manufacturing environment, you know, working as, as an engineer or working in production and those sorts of things. But um, as we are now really on the cusp of this I4 revolution, one of the most important new skills to have is around digital skills, the ability to use digital skills in the workplace, particularly in the manufacturing environment. And this, of course, is all about transferable skills as well. So being able to take those skills and actually move from one place to another. So we expect a lot more churn in this new environment, in this new world of digitization. And to be resilient in that world, you're going to need those digital skills. So that's really a key message from us. And how are these skills acquired? Can they all be taught? I mean, what's the role of schools, for example, in all of this? Well, again, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the old problem of the curriculum not really keeping pace with the, with the changes that are happening in industry. So there's, there's obviously a focus in the school system and in the further education system on technical vocational skills or higher engineering skills which is important, but what's missing is some of those workplace skills, particularly around the digital agenda. So really, they've got a, a very, very big role to play in weaving throughout the whole curriculum this idea about having digital skills. And these are skills that are transferable, the awareness of digital skills. You know, many manufacturers tell us that when they take people out of the education system, they're often not equipped with that. It's not keeping pace with those technology changes. So really the schools and the education system in general have got a very important role to play in making sure that those skills are taught all the way through, right from school age, all the way through higher education and into the workplace so that people are ready for this new generation of digitization that's, that we're at the beginning of right now. And how are schools supposed to know what these skills are that organizations that you represent need? I think this is a very, very good question because very often the manufacturers themselves don't know what skills they need. I've spoken to many, many companies who are still thinking about what, what those digital skills look like, what kind of roles in their organizations are going to be needed. So there is a very important role for the for industry themselves to define the types of skills they need so that then the education system can can, can actually make sure those skills are provided for. There are some basics that are important. So awareness of digitization, awareness of data analytics, of data management, these kinds of skills are, are foundation skills that should be taught, we get that. But then on top of that, there's some nuancing around what kind of data analytics and what kind of robotic technology and programming technology is required to, to give effect to this new industrial change that's going on. So manufacturers have a very important role to play, I would say, in making sure they articulate clearly what kind of skills are going to be required. So we, we talked about schools and they obviously follow a curriculum and so on. And then you get to higher education and further education, universities and colleges. And there they're quite often 
also teaching to a curriculum, but they have, they're focusing, I guess, more on subject specific material than on skills themselves. Mm. What do universities, what do colleges specifically need to do? do we, and, and do we need to support them a bit more in doing it? Yeah, we do. It's about that communication side again. It's about making sure that they're fully, really fully integrated into the local manufacturing scene. In fact, most of this is around a regional presence when we look at it. As we get a lot of um, uh, advantage and a lot of, we, can, we can see in certain regions that they are moving ahead when there's a strong relationship between the local industry and the further education establishments. So they understand the evolution of what's required coming out of their courses. We often hear from manufacturers that people are coming out of university with the right level of sort of technical engineering skills, but not work ready skills. And when they talk about work ready skills, they're talking about the environment that people find themselves in. And often that's about these new digital technologies when we look at it in detail. So there's an element missing there. And a lot of that can be bridged by making sure these local communities around the universities, around the further education colleges are working together to understand how those things evolve. Um, one observation is of course, from many, that um, the education system is slow to evolve, to, to be able to bring those skills to market quickly. But I think in what we have seen, the evidence that we have seen is if they work closely together in these regional clusters, we get a lot bigger advantage than people trying to do it at a distance. So we encourage that regional sort of um, communication program that's going on to make sure that those people that are coming out of the education um, system are better equipped for the modern workplace. That's really, really important. And do you find a difference between university educated people who are coming out at level six qualifications but perhaps more academic and those coming out of further education with perhaps uh, level four and five qualifications but possibly in a more workplace involved area we do in fact the uh, over the last couple of years there's there's been i would say a big emphasis on the degree level type uh, degree level engineering qualifications coming through the system and we're very good at pumping those out in this country that the gap that most in of industry sees the most manufacturers report on to us is around level four level three level four that kind of vocational training where you need those those skills which are so important to keep production running around cnc programming robotics mechatronics those sorts of areas so as well as the theory side in terms of design and process engineering which is really where the top level engineers are are deployed we need a lot more of that vocational skills training and when that comes through they need to be equipped when they leave that training for the latest generation of robotics and and advanced manufacturing technologies that we see being deployed now so so there is a gap at the lower end of that and i wouldn't even call it a lower end i call it a different part of it the vocational training side as opposed to pumping out lots and lots of highly qualified engineers that probably don't want to be CNC programmers or tool makers. And it's, it's that difference that manufacturers see. There's a big skills gap at that vocational level. Mm. So we've talked about what the educational environment should be providing to employers, but what should good employers themselves be providing to their staff as they go through their careers? Well, one of the things is around retraining. So again, this is about back to the first point about we used to be in an environment where people stayed in their careers for very long periods of time. People would join as a production engineer and then work their way through the engineering um, management structure and, and stay in that kind of discipline. Um, what we now see is the need for flexibility. Um, we see design engineers now that are required to be data analytic, have data analytics skills, which 
you know, a few years ago, we didn't, didn't see that. So employers need to provide the right environment for retraining. Really important that we are on a constant cycle of upskilling the workforce. Um, we both need to do that in a company sense and we need to do it on a national sense as well. And, and one of the ways that we've been trying to talk to the Department for Education and Department for Business around that subject is around what we call a national skills task force so that we can start to retrain many thousands of people on a national basis to have the right skills for the future. Really important that we, we grasp that opportunity now, I think, and, and manufacturers and employers in general have got a very large role to play to make sure they are providing a lot of this retraining activity that needs to happen now. And is this a UK issue or does this happen in other countries? Are all countries struggling with this sort of fast changing workplace or are we behind? I mean, what's the situation? The answer is everyone's struggling with it. We're part of an international group of similar organizations and we monitor progress in Germany and France and the US uh, to get to alongside them. In some areas, people are a little bit further ahead. In other areas, we're a bit further ahead. We tend to be very, very good at the high-end engineering qualifications. Other countries like Germany tend to be very good at the vocational training part of this at the, at the level three, level four sort of level. So we're all in a slightly different place, but I wouldn't say that anyone's found the answer to this yet. So it gives us a great opportunity, a great opportunity to be world leading as we go through this fourth industrial revolution. Now's the time where we need to grasp that opportunity and start upskilling for digital skills. So, yeah, I, I would say we're all in the same place, just a slightly different mix, depending on which country we're talking about. The US is substantially behind us, by the way, which is quite interesting in many respects. OK, you know, that is interesting. So. In this mix and uh, things going on, what's the role of organisations like Make UK in supporting companies? Well, we have several roles. One of the roles is, of course, we influence policy with government, which is important. So we are we take views of thousands of manufacturers in our membership and we go to government with the view of what manufacturers need in terms of new policy around education. So that's something that's an ongoing process. We also actually not only talk about it, we do it. We have one of the largest apprentice training centres up in Birmingham, where we have uh, approaching 2,000 apprenticeships. And we, we, of course, are trying to do class leading apprenticeships there, digital skills, mechatronics, robotics. And we have many companies using that facility because we're able, able to offer the latest generation of training. So we, we are obviously talking about it and influencing it. We're delivering it. And then, of course, we're advising manufacturers on what they should be doing about their skills plans going forwards. So for us, it's, that, it's, it's balancing those three different um, objectives of the organisation, and it works quite well. So we are basically influencing government policy, but delivering on the skills agenda as well. That's the important thing for us. So we've focused a lot of the conversation about institutions, but let's bring it back a little bit to individuals and some of the skills they need. And obviously some of the changes that people go through are voluntary, they see opportunities. Some of them are, are quite involuntary due to shocks to the system. Coronavirus is the biggest shock that we've seen in, in a very long time. What are some of the implications of the coronavirus uh, impact in terms of workers and the careers and how that might pan out? Well, it's a balance, it's a, again, as usual, a balance of positive trends and negative trends that have come out of this, this latest event. On the negative side, clearly, we've seen a lot of restructuring and redundancies, and that's brought into sharp focus the need to be flexible, the need for resilience in your skills package as an individual, as an employer, to be able to have transferable skills comes out very strongly. On the more positive side, 
we've all got used to doing podcasts and video conferencing and using digital technologies to be able to survive and move forward. Indeed, Make UK, in terms of delivering our apprenticeships, converted very quickly to a lot of it being delivered digitally and online, which is something we were thinking about pre-pandemic, but we hadn't done to any anything like the extent we're doing now. So we've accelerated a trend that had started before, and that's caused, I think, a lot more awareness of the use of digital digital technologies, which of course is important all the way through the manufacturing process. So I think the resizing and scaling back and some of the operations has taught us about being able to be flexible, the need for retraining, the need for upskilling, and the um, fact we're all working, have been working from home means we're all used to using digital technologies nowadays. So, so it's a balance of those two pressures, I think, in terms of what's happened over the recent uh, months. And what difference do you think the lifetime skills guarantee, which has been recently announced by the Prime Minister, what, what will that make? It's good. I think, um, as, as ever, one of the points about the lifetime skills guarantee is that it's, again, the ability to, to retrain, to move people around from one skill area to another. We'd like to see that a bit more immediate. I think it's talking about April next year in terms of when that's going to start. So we'd like to see that starting now. And then, of course, we've got lots of other new things coming through as well, such as T-levels, which we are very supportive of and, and obviously want to make sure that those are a, a great success. So we like the idea. We like the idea of, of being able to constantly upskill and retrain through the process. But we'd like that. We'd like to get going on it, basically. So let's move it forward as quickly as we can. And we'll be pushing hard for that to be brought forward. And I know that Make UK have called for a national skills task force. Could you tell us a little bit about your thinking behind that? One of, one of the challenges with this whole agenda is that, first of all, there's a lot of people involved in it. Um, we have many, many different stakeholders here from local authorities to further education facilities. And, and actually, when you start talking about a national event like, like the uh, pandemic, what we have seen is unprecedented levels of highly skilled engineers being made redundant or, or being uh, businesses being restructured in one form or another. And we do think at this stage there's a need for some national coordination about this because we have a, a big reskilling opportunity to try to redeploy those engineers. And then we, at the same time, we need to be working very hard on this industrial change that we're seeing with digitization of manufacturing to make sure the UK is really competitive for the future. So we do think there's a need to call for a national task force. We've been talking to um, governments about that to try to coordinate all of these different local efforts, but make sure there's a real focus on redeployment. And we've been working alongside organizations like the Catapult and Ingenuity to, to try to coordinate these things and the unions actually to bring these together into a national plan. So, so we've been pushing that quite hard with government. From what I understand, the government's likely to have a revision to its industrial strategy coming sometime in the next few months. What would you like to see in that revision to the industrial strategy in terms of skills and skills resilience and so on? Well, we've been talking to them about this. And so we'd like to see the industrial strategy. It's been focused a lot on sort of the newer technologies like, and, and, and rightly so, green tech and where that's, that, where that's going. We've got the grand challenges in there. We'd like to see much more resilience built into the industrial strategy. We've learned about resilience, I think, this year. And we've learned about resilience both in terms of supply chains, but also in terms of skills and making sure we've got a plan in the industrial strategy that matches our ambition to be world leader in green technologies, for example, by a resilience plan here to make sure companies are resilient if there is more events as we have along the lines that we have seen here. So we're looking at that. 
And at the same time, and, and in our minds, we've got the white paper coming through from education as well on skills. And, and really, we need to see there um, a very, um, I would say, not, not adventurous, but a really forward-leaning skills agenda about retraining in particular to make sure people have got the right skills for the future. So making sure we can catch up a little bit in the education system with where these new industrial trends are taking it. So that theme of resilience and that theme of bringing the skills agenda together, both in the white paper and the industrial strategy, are going to be really important events coming up in the next, uh, next few months. So just to finish off, obviously not all of this can be done immediately. What would you say were the most important things over the next 12 to 18 months that the government needs to do and that industry needs to do? Well, even you know, before this, the events of this year, um, whenever we surveyed, and we survey every month manufacturers on one subject or another, but always number one issue for manufacturers has been skills, the skills gap in this country. So, so we, what we have now is the opportunity, now that we've seen the effects of, of a pandemic and lockdown on restructuring of manufacturing, plus we've now really got into sharp focus where we're going on the fourth industrial revolution. We need to see a really adventurous skills program in this country. We need to be focused on vocational skills, make sure we've got the workforce for the future, make sure they're resilient, make sure they're transferable skills that can move from one manufacturer to another. So in case of restructuring, engineers find it easy to move their skill set to another, another area. And so now's the time, we think, to make a really positive change to the way that we think about skills in this country. It's really important we do that in manufacturing. Wonderful. Well, that's a great place to end. Stephen Phipson, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Stephen Phipson, Chief Executive of Make UK. Skills Resilience in a Changing World is also the subject of the next event of the Foundation for Science and Technology, which is being held in collaboration with Resilience First. That event is on the 21st of October at 9am. Details of how to register and for all our other events, podcasts and blogs can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. Next week, I'll be discussing research and development in Northern Ireland with Professor Jerry McKenna, Senior Vice President of the Royal Irish Academy.